the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along. An absolutely gorgeous Thursday afternoon here in the city of Pittsburgh. Kath, uh, it's almost port-sitting weather, is it? Listen, tomorrow it's going to be 59. Bring it. And you know you know why I feel good about that? Hmm. Because I have not yet covered all my porch furniture. Oh. And I'm way behind. Yeah. I don't have any excuse for it, but I feel badly. And when it snowed on my favorite porch furniture, I was just hating myself. So I feel like I'm getting a little reprieve. That's what I'm going to do tomorrow morning. Very good. Okay. So weekend plans early, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. There's a lot going on in this big wide world. Let's take a moment now, please, Kath. Give us, as always, the top four at four. Right, John, Mike, for Thursday, December 11th. No, it's the 10th. Got excited there for a minute. I stepped ahead. It's the weekend. Here's your news. Number one, science court started today. Oh, you talked about this. In a day-long live-streamed session, outside advisors to the FDA debated and picked apart the data on Pfizer and BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine to determine if it's safe and effective enough to be cleared for emergency use. Quote, the American public demands and deserves a rigorous, comprehensive, independent review of the data, said FDA's Dr. Doran Fink to the AP, who described agency scientists working nights, weekends and over Thanksgiving to get that done. This panel, John, usually operates with any fanfare. No one pays any attention to what they're doing. But this time, things are way different. More than 100,000 people watched the FDA deliberations Whoa. live on YouTube today. Fabulous. Was Judge Judy part of the proceedings? She was not, mm. but I was. I watched it. Really? I thought it was really interesting. I'll tell you well, more about it later. Number okay, two, COVID-19, John, resurging in Asia. The Wall Street Journal reports that yesterday, South Korean President Moon Jae-in convened an emergency meeting after the country saw a nine-month peak in cases that has forced officials to use shipping containers to address a hospital bed shortage. Japan on Wednesday recorded its highest daily total yet. Vietnam reported community infections for the first time in about three months. And Hong Kong, which had taken daily infections down to single digits, has seen cases resurge. Several regions of Malaysia went into lockdown after cases doubled within a month. Number three. Looks like the Strip District will get a new building where the Smiling Fish Woolies Cold Storage Warehouse was. The Pittsburgh Planning Commission has given its go-ahead to JMC Holdings, who will develop the site at 1501 Penn Avenue into four towers that range between 14 and 10 stories tall, the shorter ones being closer to the Strip District, the taller ones being on the downtown side, creating what they're calling a step-down effect. The plans also call for green roofs. 
Yes, I said it, green roofs. In the design renderings, the roofs are shown full of plantings, the green standing out amid the concrete and glass of the other buildings that make up the city skyline. I kind of like that. The trip story says developers have not said what will become of the happy fish sign, but they've previously indicated they're open to preserving it in some way, shape, or form. Very nice. And number four, it is potentially a good day for Pitt sports. After Pitt's men's men's basketball won a thriller, a great game last night in the closing seconds of their match against Northwestern, the football team will finish its regular season by taking on the Georgia Tech Bulldogs tonight. Kickoff at 7 p.m. from Bobby Dodd Stadium at Historic Grant Field in Atlanta. And that is your top four. Outstanding. Okay, so that building that uh, was given the green light today at uh, the Strip District, that that interests me a lot uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, Now, are those a mix of residential and business? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to be retail on the bottom floor, and then it's going to be residential on top. Okay. Well, it'd be a nice place to live, quite honestly. Wouldn't it? I would love to live there. Yeah, I think so too. However, I would would come with a caveat. You know, it's right next to that railroad trestle. I would imagine it's kind of noisy there with those trains coming in and going. You know, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, right. When you're right there at the convention center, almost, that's the back end of the convention center. There they are. So I wonder, will they have, will they have balconies? Well, I, in the initial rendering that I saw, which was about a month ago, they were sporting some kind of like glass top in mm. one portion so that it would be kind of like a an interesting um, artistic, you know, effect in the evening. That was not mentioned in today's story. So I'm not sure if they nixed that or not. I see. But they do have green roofs. I'm not the sure if you heard that, roof. but I want to, yeah. re- I mean, who doesn't want a green roof? Yeah. Although you got to share it with everybody else in the building. That's the problem. Well, yeah. I mean, that's right. part of apartment style living. However, having said that, you and I will never live there. We're never going to live there. <laughs> no, no. It's a pretty penny, is it not? Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a lot. That was not yeah. mentioned in uh, today's news report. Mm-hmm. I think they're just happy they've, you know, the first um, the first proposal they made, as I remember, was a 21-story building. Right. And everybody was like, too Wait high, way too big. That's going right. to look ridiculous in the middle of the strip district. It's going to make the Heinz History Center look like this tiny little peon. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they went back to the drawing board and then they came up with this, you know, step down effect. So I nice. think it's going to be fun. I really want them, though, to maintain something with the woolly sign. Yeah. I mean, because that's, that's something. Happen. What do you. It's going to move. The woolly fish sign will probably move someplace else, right? so negative about the Woolies fish Because sign. they're building this multi-million Listen, dollar I specifically read here from the Trib that, wait, what is it said? Yeah. The developers haven't said what will become of the happy fish sign, but yeah. have previously indicated they're open to preserving it in some fashion. Oh, sure they are. It just sounds like PR to me. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway. Well, you know what they, you know, several of those signs have ended up at the Heinz History Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be a nice place. I mean, I'd rather see it outside so that I could, you know, watch it every day when I'm crossing the Veterans Bridge. But right. if not, it'd be nice to see it at the history. Or Center. if you know, you might be worried if you're living there and you're on the green roof, all of a sudden the glow from the fish would annoy you. Just say it. I'm just bringing up possibilities. That's all. Well, you're not on the planning commission, so I don't think that <laughs> right. we need to know the in-depthness no, of your opinion. I'm worried about the trains and the glow from the fish. Apparently, I'm it's not. It's all negative that. today. I'm sorry. Okay, let's take a break. Hey, listen. Do you know that there are about nine million Americans who live abroad, according to the United States Department of um, uh, State Department? Now, a lot of those were missionaries. Yeah. When COVID hit, 
they started to come home. We're going to talk about that next. Uh, we're going to have with Rebecca Hopkins for expats and missionaries. COVID-19 was a crossroads. It's next. The Ride Home with John and Kathy. It's here on Word FM. WORD. Everyone has needs, but you may not know how to meet them in healthy ways. Next time on Focus on the Family, Dr. Kathy Cook explains how to find your security, identity, belonging, purpose, and competence through a relationship with God and with good, godly people. You'll hear more next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Tonight at 830 on 101.5 WORD. Of all the women in the world, you chose her. She is the one you can't live without. How will you tell her, I love you forever? You tell her with a diamond. From Trinity Jewelers. And of all the diamonds in the world, none say forever, like the center of my universe from Forevermark. Less than 1% of the world's diamonds can carry the Forevermark inscription, a promise that each diamond is beautiful, rare, and responsibly sourced. A diamond worthy of a woman as rare as she is, and a love as unique as yours. The center of my universe can only be found at an authorized Forevermark jeweler. Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. Discover Forevermark, the diamond, the promise, at Trinity Jewelers. For when you really want to say, I love you forever. Visit trinityjewelers.com. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, If SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at slugquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. Well, of course, during COVID, everyone's focusing on their own particular personal situation, right? What's happening in my own home or what's happening here in Pittsburgh or Western Pennsylvania. We forget about the whole wide world. And especially, this is so interesting, international ministries, right? How many ministries are operating around the world, which involve a lot of Americans? 
Well, uh, we're so happy to welcome to the Word FM Airways, Rebecca Hopkins. Rebecca is a journalist living in Colorado. She spent 14 years in Indonesia, writes about international nonprofit work. But her piece that is in Christianity Today, the print edition, is called For Expats and Missionaries, COVID-19 Was a Crossroads. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Hi, great to talk to you, John. Thank you. Yeah, Rebecca, terrific job uh, on this um, on this article. The day after I read it, I had just run into a couple um, people who had returned from Taiwan right before COVID really hit America, and they left Taiwan in such a hurry, Rebecca, with their two small kids. All their stuff is still there, right? They came to America because they had to make a split-second decision. They were afraid that they weren't going to be able to see their aging parents, um, but they had to take their kids out of school. They had to, as I said, leave all their belongings. They're here in Pittsburgh kind of looking around for like, where can I find a pillow? You know, where can I have a bit? And your article helped me to see that that's not a unique story. Yeah, it is so true. You know, when those stay-at-home orders came down, I mean, where is home for these expats? Is it their overseas location? Do they hunker down and and stay there? Do they they head back for, for all the reasons you mentioned? Right. So, Rebecca, in your piece, you talk about a man, uh, Rob Congdon, and Rob says this, quote, who am I and what does the Lord have for me and what should I be doing? I mean, I would imagine that people like yourself who spent decades or more overseas, all of a sudden you're pulled out of your familiar zone, wherever that is, and you're forced to sort of reinvent yourself for the short or the long term. People have to be reeling in this whole change. It's so true. I mean, a lot of these expats I talk to, I mean, they talk about the identity crisis they have, you know, who are they, where is home, sure. what do they do, you know, do they are they looking for a new job during a pandemic when they haven't lived in the States for a while? Um, yeah, it's it's quite a lot to wrestle with. Sure. And what about the feelings, you know, you, you went into this a little bit in your article about, do I feel guilty for leaving? You know, this is the country that I decided to call home. It's not my home country, but it's the one that I've made my home in. And am I deserting them and the people that I love there right when they need me the most? Or, you know, I'm sure that those are complex decisions and emotions. You know, they really are. You know, you've got pressure on all sides. You've got yeah. people in the state saying, don't stay there. It's crazy. How could, you know, you, you better come back. You've got people they're, you know, maybe feeling disappointed or, or even maybe not just, you know, expressing that a lot of a lot of the people that are part of our communities overseas, you know, they understand and they understand that, you know, you have aging parents, you know, back in the States you want to get to. But yeah, that guilt can really can really be difficult. Um, people are coming, they're arriving in the States with very weighty stories. Um, and yeah, I need some help unpacking some of that. So weighty stories, Rebecca, in your article, it is chock full of those weighty stories. Would you be able to share a story or two with our listeners? Yeah, sure. You know, we actually, speaking of Taiwan, the, the first person I, I talked to about this, it was this couple that had made their life in Taiwan. They had three young daughters. And actually, his wife had been in the States for a short visit just for to see some family, to get some medical stuff taken care of. And then all of a sudden the the borders are shutting down and this poor guy had to travel. Well, he had to sell a lot of their stuff and store a lot of their stuff. He had just a few days. He kept buying tickets and then they'd get canceled. And his daughters are are little girls. Um, And so then he made that trip 
with them by himself to his wife. His wife, you know, met him at the airport and was just so relieved to have their family all together before borders completely shut down. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, and then there's the people that decided to stay, but with a great deal of uncertainty. And there's another um, lady in the story named Rachel, whose college age kids were in the States and she's in Djibouti and they decided to stay there. And, and really the kind of the decision was made for them because things shut down so quickly. They just, you know, I think they were given like a day to make the decision and just couldn't quite pull it all together. Um, and decided to stay and they've been there a long time and they have been through a lot of crises. Um, and a lot of times these crises will really cement your, your relationship with, um, the, the local community there. So those who are staying, um, you know, they're probably seeing some of that happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, one of the people I talked to, he's a, a transition coach and he, he said these departures that a lot of times happened without goodbyes at all. There just wasn't mm. time or it wasn't safe to go hug your friends. Um, it, it, he called it a theft. Mm. I can imagine how it would feel like that. Rebecca Hopkins is with us, a journalist living in Colorado. She spent 14 years in Indonesia since she writes about international nonprofit work. And so let me ask you, Rebecca, about your own experience. Talk about when you left Indonesia, um, saying goodbye to all the places you loved, all the people you loved, you know, contrast that experience um, with what people you talk to are going through now. You know, we actually made our transition to the States in April of 2019. And so we have he had only been in the States for 11 months wow. when the shutdown happened. And so we're still at the point, you know, my, my son still puts on shorts in the morning, even though it's now winter in Colorado, like that's, that's what he wears, you know, that's, yeah. he lived in the tropics all his life. Um, yeah. And I still can't remember which side of the car to get in on when I'm wanting to drive. Cause it was opposite there. Um, and you know, it, it sometimes, I mean, kind of the, the, the word that you use when you're returning from overseas is, is the word re-entry. But it's kind of a mild word. Um, I really call it more of a crash landing most of the time. And some mm. of some of the times when people are returning, even not during a pandemic, sometimes you're returning in crisis. Sometimes it's because of trauma. Sometimes it's because some you know a, a base has shut down, work has shut down, or you lose a visa. And so it's pretty common for people to have to leave pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, or to, to not really see it coming and, and have to make a lot of decisions, you're usually selling almost everything or giving almost everything away. Um, and so, yeah, it, you know, when I started kind of seeing this all happen and I was talking with a lot of my friends and, you know, every day they're trying to decide whether to go or not. Um, I just thought, you know, there's so much I can relate to in this, um, in just coming so suddenly and with very little and then having to figure out everything from there and just rebuild a life. Right. So then Rebecca, I'm sure you're in contact with friends and associates in those many years and your reporting here mirrors that as well. But what about the the health and the vitality of the ministries themselves? I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. COVID's changed everything, you know, uh, retail, restaurants and whatnot. Are are a lot of ministries in financial trouble or are they able, able to weather the storm with reduced costs? You know, it's a good question, and that's one of the bigger questions going forward. I mean, you know, the initial question was, do they stay or do they go? Um, another question is, where is home? And now the question is, has the pandemic changed international Christian service forever? Um, will younger generations want to go, or has this so destabilized 
people's lives and hit people so economically that mm-hmm. it's just, mm-hmm. you know, is this going to be kind of sidelines international work? I would say it's a mixed bag. There's some ministries that are actually thriving and, and responding and responding to needs and relationships are growing um, and they're figuring out virtual ways to do things. Um, I think there are some that are still trying to kind of get, get their bearings Um so, I, you know, I think we're going to just have to wait and see how it all plays out. Um, yeah. And so what about, uh, just one more thing connected to that, you know, a, a lot of us, Kath and myself included, we've done short-term ministry trips overseas. How do you see that might be affected, you know, whenever things are all said and done? That's another big question people are asking right now, because, you know, if you're going to have to quarantine for 14 days on either side of a trip, I mean, who can really do that if you're if you're coming and leaving a job and that kind of thing? And, you know, just even the uncertainty, I think it's going to feel a little bit uncertain for a while. I mean, I think, you know, we saw how quickly borders can shut shut down. Um, Do people really want that risk of being separated from families? And it really can affect. I mean, you know, the thing that short term missions can give to us is, you know, a lot of times people get their their call to missions on those trips. You know, their eyes are open to needs and. And so, you know, those short-term missionaries turn into long-term missionaries. And, and some people, they develop a, a relationship with, you know, between a, an American church and, an, and a Haitian church. And there's, sure. you know, funding and help and resources. So it's, it's another big question. Now, some people are doing virtual missions trips where they're keeping their, um, their churches and their, their relationships going through virtual ways and that's working and in some ways maybe that pulls in people who who never have been able to travel really mm-hmm. so yeah well it, it was a, as i said at the beginning just a really terrific article it gave us a, a window into something that a lot of us just don't understand and a and a way to extend compassion and understanding to a whole body of the church um that we weren't familiar with so thank you so much that's rebecca hopkins journalist living in colorado for expats and missionaries covid19 was a crossroads that's her article for this month's christianity today thanks rebecca thank you This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshares. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, well, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, founder and CEO of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sounds crazy, right? Well, the crazy thing is this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to in buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-881-4242. 800-881-4242. 800-881-4242. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see 
see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. With thousands of locally owned Napa stores across the nation, chances are that wherever you call home, they do too. So whether you stop by a local Napa Auto Parts store, Napa Auto Care Center, or visit Napa online, you can count on Napa know-how. Has your child swallowed your medicine, your laundry detergent, your nail polish remover? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you inhaled paint thinner, glue, pesticides? Call the Poison Helpline. Have a question about a dose, a fume, something your kid just drank? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune into Your Retirement Blueprint with Kirk Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Mainly clear skies expected for tonight with a low of 33. Tomorrow, sunshine will give way to increasing cloudiness. It'll be milder with a high of 57. Cloudy skies tomorrow night with a low of 42. Saturday will be cloudy and mild with a little rain in the afternoon. We'll reach a high Saturday of 56. Saturday night, spotty evening showers, otherwise low clouds, low 43. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. I think it's fascinating to think about international ministries again like i said you know early on we tend to look at ourselves in our own situation but yeah. there are millions of people around the world who love jesus and have traveled to work in foreign countries hoping to allow people to flourish in the name of christ right and now that's changed what will that look like in the future? I don't know. I'm telling you, this this couple that I talked to the other day, John, it was actually now like a week and a, a week and a half ago. Um, they were so discombobulated. I mean, they were now since it had been so many months, they have kind of you know gotten on their feet. But they were explaining what it was like when they came back at the very beginning of the COVID scare from Taiwan, leaving all of their stuff, right. coming here with their kids, and this is not even though their kids are American, this isn't home for their kids because Taiwan's home for their kids. Sure. Well, like Rebecca said, her kids right. wearing shorts. Exactly. That's what he's always done. Exactly. But at the same time, you know, maybe there's a mindset change where you think, well, we don't need the Americans to rescue us or to do sure. the work. We can do this ourselves. Sure. I mean, that that could certainly be the case. I don't think it's a matter of we need Americans to do no. this for us. For us. Um, I think that the, the but you know what I'm saying. Idea, yeah, but the whole idea of sharing the gospel is that you have different people who have different experiences from different cultures who recognize the same Jesus, you know, yes. the same Lord, um, God and Father of all. I, you brought up short-term missions, John. I was just thinking about how many relationships you and I have built through oh traveling. Gosh. Yeah. From, I mean... 
I, you know, I have friends from all around the world. People who, we still stay in touch with. Who I still stay in touch with. Yeah. That, and that, you know, there've been certain, you know, we've been involved in joint projects. There's a way that you understand the gospel that's so much bigger and better when you understand that people are doing really amazing things in the name of Jesus in a place you've never heard of on the other side of the globe. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's that it was humbling to read that article and think how many people who are in missions have been affected by mm-hmm. this. Well, as they say, time will tell, right? We'll see what uh, what's in store. Hey, uh, uh, switching to local news. Okay, uh, Kath, you and I, we both bought uh, appliances from the scratch and dent warehouse from Sears in Lawrenceville. No, it's not there anymore. No, it's not. And the big news is that Amazon is going to take over the property at 2751st Street and turn it into a distribution center. Now, to be honest, uh, mixed emotions as always, right? When Amazon yeah. come in, comes into a neighborhood, the footprint is so large, but the opportunities locally for jobs and well-paying jobs, that's excellent. Sure but is. Man, I can't imagine the amount of traffic. I mean, it, it's hard to you know go through Lawrenceville anyway on a good day, let alone with the flow of all those vehicles. Well, I know. What I want to see is them bring some level of um, order out of the chaos because that area back in there. That's the worst. That's terrible. I mean, it's that so looks slow. so bad. It's just really that whole, would you say that was first street? Uh, 27th street. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. 2751st street. Okay. So where, when you turn off of Butler to go mm-hmm. back to where the Amazon warehouse is going to be, I mean, it's just, it's not good. It's yeah. just, and I just mean by, by not being good. I mean, the whole, they had a gigantic parking lot that was always in disrepair. You know, there were a lot of trucks around. There was a lot of like scrub trees and garbage. It's just the, the whole area back there was bad. Right. Well, people look to Amazon as, you know, the economic savior. We'll see whether right. that works or not. There's also conversation about a, a, you know, facility in Churchill as well, but that's under some sort of scrutiny, of course, because of neighbors and the lighting and the traffic and the congestion and whatnot. So right. good news, bad news as well. But right? yeah, again, I mean, remember when the whole AOC flap happened where she made such a big deal about Amazon selecting, uh, I think it was Long Island or was it Brooklyn as one of their, Anyway, she made such a big Brooklyn. deal that she made such a big deal of it. Amazon was like, well, fine, we'll go somewhere else. Right. They did. And they went to DC, which is probably where they wanted to go anyway. Probably so. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I got a package. So anyway, you don't want, you don't want to make such a big deal out of it that you're like you said, not being grateful for all of the economic opportunity that's going to bring to Pittsburgh. Yeah. But at the same time, it brings a lot of headaches as well. Yeah. But they're going to so. clean up the parking lot. So I feel good. <laughs> hey, um, if you've ever stayed in a hotel or a motel, odds are you've looked in the, the nightstand and inside the drawer of the nightstand, what was there? Uh, Gideon's Bible. Exactly. We're going to talk about the Gideon's Bible, witness to history, the story of Gideon's International. That's next on The Ride Home. WORD. What does the Bible say about divorce? It's one of the most frequent and controversial questions any pastor or Bible teacher answers. Join us this week on Through the Bible as Dr. J. Vernon McGee tackles this subject with candor and honesty and really most importantly offers insight into what the Bible says about it in the Old Testament book of Malachi. Through the Bible this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. If you're like me, you've already thought more than once, man. 
Christmas just isn't going to be the same this year. Our famous family Christmas Eve dinner isn't going to be as famous. My annual shopping day with mom will be online. Carolers won't be stopping. Parties not popping. The Nutcrackers not dancing. And Santa's going to be masked up? And then I catch myself and say, dude, get over yourself. Because even though this Christmas might seem a little less holly and jolly, it is without a doubt still Christmas. The part of Christmas where God sent his son also to not so perfect conditions for me. I'm going to do my best to keep reminding myself of that through the holidays. Hopefully we can together. Merry Christmas from United Faith Mortgage. For every closed loan applied for in December, we'll make a donation in your name that will feed a child for a year through Cross International. Find the details at unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage lender license number 22672. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You're generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. Help at Home, formerly XL Home Care, can provide a warm, family-like environment with a help-at-home caregiver, or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call Help at Home, 412-212-8950, 412-212-8950. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. You know, the first thing that comes into my mind when someone says the Gideon's Bible, and I, I, I'm apologizing uh, before I even say this, is the Beatles' Rocky Raccoon. Because the first lyrics of the songs are, Rocky Raccoon checked into his room only to find Gideon's Bible. I mean, now that goes way back to the 1960s. And of course, I think for a lot of people, you know, um, that and checking into a hotel room or motel room, you look into the nightstand and sure enough, there is the copy of the Gideon's Bible, which really unto itself is a miracle of miracles. Well, uh, Jeff Pack is with us. Jeff's an author from Gideon's International, and he has written a piece called a book called Witness to History, the story of the Gideon's International. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John, and greetings from Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, really happy to have you on the show, Jeff. And we want to hear about how this crazy idea started. I mean, I, listen, I have been in Asia, I've been in Europe, and I open up that nightstand and it's, th- it's still there. Jeff, they're everywhere. <laughs> right. And uh, as Paul McCartney said, he had seen a Bible in every hotel room he's ever been in. And uh, he was wondering, uh, who is this guy, Gideon? So <laughs> right. writing the book has helped us uh, sort of tell the story. And and the story goes back to 18, 
99 when the Gideons first began in Wisconsin. And uh, uh, traveling salesmen would go out on a Sunday night on a train and they'd come back home Friday night. But during that time in between, they were in hotel rooms at night with plenty of time on their hand, and they just got a poor reputation for gambling, profanity, womanizing, and idle hours, and the hotel lobbies turned into the devil's workshop. So the three founders really got together and said, you know, we should form an organization that holds each other accountable and will have emblems where we can recognize each other on these trains and these hotel lobbies. And that was really the start of it in 1899 in uh, Janesville, Wisconsin. The Bibles didn't come until a decade later in 1908. So we really started as just a witnessing organization of business and professional men uh, sharing their testimonies. And 1908 started saying, hey, we could put Bibles in these hotel lobbies where uh, where we're staying. But better yet, we could put them in the rooms. And that's where it started in 1908. And churches helped with providing the funds to put them in their various cities. And it started 1908, and here we are, 2.5 billion scriptures later. Fabulous. So, Jeff, I'm sure the Gideons have prompted thousands, if not millions, of stories of lives that have been changed. So you, as the author, digging deep into the Gideon archives, can you share a story or two that you love? Sure. Uh, Let's stick on the music theme. (laughs) So um, back in the... Uh, 1960s, there was an artist named Tommy, and he had some hits on the radio, and uh, just to cope with the pressure of coming up with the next big hit, uh, he turned to the booze and the pills, no fear of chemicals, cost him a couple marriages and a lot of hotel uh, damage uh, charges. But one night in a hotel, in a Holiday Inn actually, he picked up a Gideon Bible, and he was really tired of the way he was living, and he said, you know, God, just please take me to somewhere uh, in in this book. And at the same time, Tommy was into UFOs, spaceships, time travel. He opened the Gideon Place Bible to Ezekiel, of all places. Oh, so now, he's reading, now he's reading what he thinks is one of the greatest UFOs stories ever told, Wheels in the Sky, Chariots, yeah. Blue Crystals. So that was God talking to Tommy, but, you know, he just closed it and went on to the next city, and he found another Gideon Bible in that hotel room, and now he thinks they're following him. So that (laughs) night, he got on his knees and surrendered to a separated life, and he gave his life to Christ through the reading of the Scripture. Now, Mm -hmm. Tommy is Tommy James and the Shondells, and the story of his conversion is a song called Crystal Blue Persuasion. Oh, wow. What? which you may remember. That's a great Get song. out of here. You'll be listening to it tonight. Yeah, thank you. I will be. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's just, you know, so cool. So, yeah, that's, but wow. Okay, we're I talking to on. Jeff. I got lots of them. <laughs> okay, great. We want you to keep going, but I'm going to just take a minute to say that the name of the book is Witness to History, and we're talking to Jeff Pack. All right, Jeff, tell us another one. Uh, more recent and, and more timely, um, there was a student named Craig, and he had been going to Oklahoma um, uh, City University, and he got in a little trouble with his fraternity. So being kind of clever, he thought, well, I'll just tell him I'm going to start a Bible study, and administration will let us keep going as a fraternity. So sure enough, the administration agreed, and he went off to start his Bible study. The only problem is he didn't have a Bible. So he is walking, literally walking across campus, and he runs into a Gideon. And as far as Craig knew, he 
didn't know or care what a Gideon was, but he got his Bible. So they started in the basement of a fraternity house meeting, and the brothers would just, you know, start, you know, reading through this Bible and learning more and more, and it grew and grew. They went to a shopping mall to rent some space as the church continued to grow. Craig became a pastor, and you know him today as Craig Groeschel with Life Church in Oklahoma City, which oh, is one of the okay. largest churches in America. <laughs> so, oh, that's so cool. Wow. That's We're another great story. Jeff Pack, <laughs> Witness to History, the story of the Gideons International. Jeff, I'm really curious about the, the partnerships that you have and the machinery of those partnerships mm-hmm. that allow you to place yeah. those Bibles in the, in the hotels and motels, and if that's changed any in recent years because of the way we live in America now. Uh, as far as uh, working with the hotels? Well, I guess probably, you know, people allowing that to happen. Sure. Um, the hotels, as we said, have been there since 1908. Then in the 20s, we went into hospitals and jails, and we seldom have problems there at all. I uh, went to schools in the 40s and the military uh, in the 40s as well, and college campuses in the 70s. Uh, with the hotels, they all keep it as a service. Uh, occasionally you'll have maybe a hipster hotel who doesn't include it, but someone will inevitably go down to the lobby and ask for, you know, hmm. uh, you know, where's the Gideon Bible. So right. we're kind of protected by that. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, we end up working uh, with all hotels. Uh, we may have to sit beside the Book of Mormon or somewhere else, but, you know, sure. we're happy to have that book and the nightstand. Uh, A little opposition from schools from time to time, but we always follow the rules that the school board tells us what to do. And, you know, that, you know, I've been, as I always say, I've been chased by nuns in Argentina and, um, you know, uh, allowed into a school in California and kicked right back out. But uh, we always follow what they tell us. It's not a, you know, never a protest or anything. We're just following the rules as we see them. Sure. And sometimes it so goes in the, our favor. In college campuses, you know, there's free speech zones now. So we, we get to oh, go to those. Yeah. So, Jeff, did the Argentinian nuns catch you? Uh, no. <laughs> well, thank goodness for that. We're, we're, glad they, we're glad they were slow, but we want to hear more about that story later. Jeff Pack is with us. The new book is called Witness to History. Um, Jeff, I was in Indonesia uh, right at the start of COVID, actually kind of right before it started here um, in America. And I, I was in this one hotel room and I opened up the nightstand and there was a book of Confucius and then there was a Quran. And then right there at the bottom... It was a Gideon's Bible. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was crazy. So talk <laughs> about how how you decide what countries you're in or how you decide what hotel. Like, how, how does how does that happen? Sure. We have now, started with three members, now we have uh, 250,000. And we started in one country, now we're in 200 countries. And in each of those countries, we will have uh, groups, uh, you know, what we call camps, and they'll be in various cities. For instance, in Nashville, there are you know, seven camps that surround this area. And in any city what, or country, uh, what we'll do is we identify the churches in you know, my particular area. Uh, we'll define you know, where the schools are, uh, where the hospitals are, and we make visits. We make calls in all these and you know, offer the Bibles. Uh, uh, many times a new hotel will just call us and, you know, okay. call corporate, and then we get the Bibles to them. But that's mimicked across uh, the world in each 
you know, in, in uh, Nairobi today, you know, or tomorrow they'll be, you know, looking at what hotels need uh, Bibles. They'll be looking at what schools they can get into this week. So it's mimicked everywhere we go. I see. So, Jeff, a, an international undertaking like this cannot be uh, cheap to operate. Talk about, you know, how you survive and what that stream looks like as you, you go around the world. Uh, sure. The uh, three ways that we are supported are by the members themselves, uh, by churches across the world, um, in each of those areas of cities. That's the second way. And the third way uh, has been more recent uh, with something known as getting cards that are sympathy cards, or, uh, uh, congratulatory um, notice cards. And those are three uh, areas of um, you know, funding these scriptures. And each of the countries, you know, do their part in making sure that the churches uh, get to participate and that they, they themselves uh, get to participate in funding it. So it's, you know, around the world, uh, 70 million scriptures a year in wow. 100 languages. Um, you know, wherever we go, we got 100 languages to get there. And uh, that's kind of how we do it. Wow. The book is called Witness to History. We're talking to author Jeff Pack. All right, Jeff, our time's almost up. So before you leave us, I don't know, pick out another, like, cool Gideon story and tell us about it. Uh, sure. Uh, we'll close with that. You know, one of the most unique things about the Gideons is you can't kick us out of a country. So we're in India, uh, and one of the, you know, probably best stories uh, we get thousands, you know, stories, you know, every year. But one of the most interesting was a boy named Robbie, and he had a very unhappy relationship with his dad um, and never could make it work out. So the wounds from that and a friend of his uh, dying, uh, Robbie decided to take his own life. So at 17, he attempted suicide. He ended up in the hospital, and instead, uh, he really uh, discovered a Bible placed by the Gideons in that hospital bed. And in reading it, he found the answers he was always looking for. And he said, and, uh, I'm going to get this quote, uh, in Jesus Christ, I found the explanation of the human heart. I'm trying to build an Eden on my own terms, not on God's terms. And as you might have guessed, that's Rabbi Zacharias. Well, that's amazing. I mean, really, one great story after another. You see how God is working. All people need is the resources and the availability, and it changes lives forever. Jeff, it's got to give you great pride in many ways to know that you're part of this long lineage. Yes, it's uh, very humbling to be part of a long lineage, uh, I guess. Uh, but uh, we've been a witness to history decade after decade. Wherever there's an event, uh, you know, we can, we can tell you a story. That's wonderful. It's been a terrific pleasure to have you on the show. The new book called Witness to History, author Jeff Pack. Jeff, thank you. Thank you so much. Available at witnesstohistory.org. Very nice. We'll step away. Hey, um, all of us stuck at home, you're watching TV commercials. Well, they're producing the pandemic and they are getting weird and real. That's next. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. 
will also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsoruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune into Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. You're sitting at home watching television all these many months, heaven help us. And now, during the holiday season, the commercials are reflecting our actual real-lived experiences that we've gone through, you know, all this year long, which is good. I mean, it's it's difficult to film a commercial or anything because of the close proximity of crew and actors and whatnot. Sure. But um, I'm looking at a piece um, from the Times, after a hard year, holiday commercials get real. So... Um, Here's a Walmart commercial. Let's deck the halls over video calls. Okay. Right? I mean, last year. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah, right. people would have gone, what? What are you talking about? Deck the halls over video calls. Chick-fil-A's into the game. There's a family of four into a main square of an almost deserted town. And uh, this old guy is trying to get the holiday lights up. And someone says, seems like everything's off this year. The mom says that. Everybody kind of shakes their head and. And they have some Chick-fil-A and things are better. <laughs> right? um, the United States Postal Service. Uh, there's a slow motion montage of letter carriers, either walking, hmm. driving. I bet that's good. And they are um, 
I'll Be Home for Christmas is the theme song, and it shows the carriers heroically delivering letters and packages through rain, sleet, snow, and COVID. And, of course, the list goes on and on. Yeah, listen, I saw a really great one from – so, you know, this is why commercials don't work on me. No, right. I think it was American Express, but it it showed it was a 60 second commercial. So it was long and it was about different small businesses and what they were doing to con- to stay open. Okay. And it, there was music in the background and it was, it was like, it wasn't, it wasn't lighthearted, but it was still sweet in how they presented it. Um, but it also gave you a really good idea of like, wow, think how hard people are working to keep their drugstore mm-hmm. open or to keep their dry cleaner open or whatever it is. And, you know, speaking of, I guess I should mention that the new orders have come down from uh, the governor of Pennsylvania, uh, new restrictions announced today by governor Wolf and Dr. Rachel Levine, the state's health secretary. I'm reading here from the PG um, the new restrictions in effect from 1201 AM, December 12th, through January 4th are uh, no indoor dining or consumption of alcoholic beverages. Indoor gatherings of more than 10 people are prohibited with churches and other religious gatherings excluded. Outdoor gatherings of more than 50 are prohibited. Gyms, fitness facilities, theaters, museums, casinos, other entertainment facilities, all closed. In-person, extracurricular school activity suspended. All K-12 through sports suspended. College and pro sports may continue. Okay. All right. I, we knew it was coming. I mean, yeah. heaven help us, right? Yeah. What a crazy, topsy-turvy, upside-down world. Okay. So in the midst of all this, there is some good news because uh, the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust, you know, they are the people that put together all the different venues in downtown Pittsburgh, right? Sure. The, the Benedum, Heinz Hall, and whatnot. Well, today they announced for the fall of 2021, the PNC Broadway series, which has been a mainstay for decades. This is good news. This um, is great news. That, you know, they have confidence that this time next year or maybe even earlier, let's hope so, we'll be back to, in air quotes, normal. So their season for next year, um, Hades Town. I do not know this. This is a musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Pretty Woman, the musical. That's a weird mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. That's a, Summer, the Donna Summer musical. Okay. That First off, I've never heard of that. Second of all, I love Donna. Yep. Uh, Rogers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma is part of the mix. Hamilton is part of the mix as well. Okay. And uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, hmm. the uh, theatrical presentation, finishing up the season in May of 2022, is Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. Oh, All right. Okay. So uh, at some point, theater is going to come back live and uh, hopefully local. Okay. So how about these shows that just basically take a an artist's work and make it you craft a story around it well i don't have a problem with that i mean okay. you know, they, uh, i'm surprised you don't have a problem with that because that's that's so outside the bounds of what is traditional theater well like something like the jersey boys right i mean or you know yeah what well, we just talked i mean or like the, the abba thing or did they didn't tom petty do one and yeah, billy because, joel you know, had one there's so much good music right the billy joel thing right. crashed and burned um, but there's so much good music and the artist gets, gets to showcase that. And of course, I'm sure there are people willing to put up money to think this could be a great show and I could, you know, get some big money on my investment as well. So let's give it a whirl. But it's not like it's a, I mean, it's not a story like. No, no, no. Music have, man have you or, seen Jersey you know, Boys? No. I mean, that's a story. 
right? Okay, but that to me that seems a little more a little more in the vein of a classic musical more than like the Donna Summer thing is going to be. Wouldn't you like to hear hear the story of Donna Summer? Well, yeah, but is it really going to be the story of Donna Summer? Is it going to be some cheese whiz, you know, story well, that kind of allows us to sing, you know, on the radio again? I don't know. Maybe they'll also showcase Donna's, you know, coming to Christ as well, which would be also cool, wouldn't it? Well, now, do you think that's going to happen? That might. You know, that's not going to happen. That might. They put a gospel blues in there. Why not? I mean, that'd be awesome, but that's not good. Don't get my hopes up. All right. Well, listen, mark your calendar for next year and then go see the Donna Summer story. All right. All right. All right. Hey, um, it's a weird day when Isaac Newton is in the news and not only Isaac Newton, but Isaac Newton's dog. We'll talk about that after a short break. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. We are Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker too. Plus iHeart, tune in and on radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Commissioner Stephen Hahn says today's meeting of the FDA Vaccine Advisory Panel is an important day for all of America. He says he hopes it will lead to the beginning of the end of the pandemic. President Trump announcing that Israel and Morocco will normalize relations. It's the latest diplomatic coup for President Trump as he continues to seek Arab-Israeli peace. The president says Israel and Morocco will restore diplomatic and other ties Morocco, the fourth Arab nation to recognize Israel under President Trump's Abraham Accords framework. And consumer prices edging up two-tenths percent in November as a rise in energy costs and a variety of other items offset a drop in food cost, according to the Labor Department. Stocks finishing mixed. The Dow lost 69 points. The Nasdaq gained 66. This is SRN News. This message is for anyone looking for $500,000 to $1 million or more of affordable term life insurance, even if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or taking anxiety meds. Here's an example. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe overweight with type 2 diabetes, $1 million of term life insurance may only cost about $200 a month. We're Term Provider, experts in finding affordable term life insurance for those that may not be in perfect health. If you've had prostate cancer, heart conditions, high cholesterol, or on prescription medications, you may still qualify for half a million to a million dollars or more of affordable term life insurance. Get a quick quote by calling Term Provider at 800-555-2085. 800-555-2085. If you're looking for term life insurance but have type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, or have other health issues, call Term Provider at 800-555-2085 or visit Term Provider.com. Termprovider.com. All of us deserve a chance to start over again. And Light of Life is a place where people can do that. Jarrell Gilliam, Executive Director at Light of Life Rescue Mission on Pittsburgh's North Side. Have you ever been in town and you see somebody begging, you see somebody with a sign? One of the questions I get a lot is, like, how do you help that person? What do we do to help someone that is down and out? And what's the best thing to do? And what I often will say is that the best thing to do is to show love and show compassion. It's not always the best thing to give them what they're asking for, but to point them in a direction of an organization or of places where they can go and get help. 
Light of Life is one of those places where those people can get help to find an on-ramp to get back into society. It's not just about a handout. It's about a hand up and the ability to give someone a chance to start over again. Help someone else find a hand up by donating today. Visit lightoflife.org give. lightoflife.org give. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry, we're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Mainly clear skies expected for tonight with a low of 33. Tomorrow, sunshine will give way to increasing cloudiness. It'll be milder with a high of 57. Cloudy skies tomorrow night with a low of 42. Saturday will be cloudy and mild with a little rain in the afternoon. We'll reach a high Saturday of 56. Saturday night, spotty evening showers, otherwise low clouds, low 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along. Thursday edition of The Ride Home. The sun sets, the beautiful evening, it's a sort of golden, crisp light out there right now. Listen, uh, it's not often, uh, at least in, in, in my reading, that I read stories about Isaac Newton and his dog, Diamond. <laughs> Yeah, I've never heard of Diamond, John. Yeah, well, listen to this. A collection, this is wild, a collection of unpublished burnt notes by Isaac Newton in which the scientist attempts to unlock secret codes he believed were hidden in the measurements of the Great Pyramid have sold at auction for $460,000. The, quote, exceptionally rare set of papers, which dates to to the 1680s, were almost destroyed by Newton's dog, Diamond, who, legend has it, jumped on a table and upset a candle, setting them on fire. Scorched as the papers are, the papers reveal Newton's fascination with alchemy, showing the scientists comparing the external dimensions of the pyramids, the length of its tunnels, heights of its chambers, and sizes of its bricks as he attempts to prove that they all had been calculated from a common unit of measurement, the royal cubit. Shall I continue? I would like for you to, John. I'm actually taken with the story. Newton believed the ancient Egyptians had access to knowledge that has been since lost and hoped that quantifying the royal cubit would help him to accurately measure the circumference of the earth a measurement that he needed to demonstrate his theory of gravitation 
on a planetary scale. Now, let me continue. This is so okay. dense. Right. The notes that, are, that were sold also show Newton attempting to uncover the timing of the apocalypse and delving into prophecies as he tried to unlock codes he believed were hidden in the pages of the Bible. Right, this mm. is kind of like Da Vinci Codeish. Right, right. Newton believed that if he could crack the royal cubit, he would be able to reconstruct the sacred cubit of the Hebrews and work out the dimensions of the Temple of Solomon, which he believed would help him understand the size of the earth. Okay, isn't it shocking, based on like the level of our own personal brains, that there are people who want to calculate something that to me seems so enormous that I I would never even waste time contemplating it. How do you go from a measurement of the Royal cubit of a brick that was used to build the pyramids to circumvent the globe, to look at the dimensions of the size of the globe and then add in biblical prophecies and even deeper how to, how to perform alchemy. It which sounds, is wild. It sounds a, a little like the episode of Dark I watched last night, John. <laughs> That's really interesting. Okay, so mm-hmm. then these theories, I mean, obviously Isaac Newton was a brilliant man. Clearly. But in many ways, in many respects, right, uh, he didn't have the tools of science, so he was kind of day-tripping a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, I love it. Okay, what's the name of his dog? Diamond. Diamond almost wrecked it, so we almost mm-hmm. didn't know the stuff because of yeah. Diamond. Right, and there's a photograph. I mean, you want to see this. I'm reading from The Guardian, but there's a photograph of these papers, and, um, you know, they're parchment. They look like they're part, and they are. They, they are scarred up. I mean, you can see, they, you know, just yeah. fragments of paper there. But someone interested enough in Isaac Newton. You know, I did not know this, that a lot of Isaac Newton's uh, papers still survive this day. They were sold by someone. This should have been in Downton Abbey. They were sold by the Earl of Portsmouth in 1936. I wonder if the Queen knows the Earl of Portsmouth. Well, apparently, some. well, it depends on when he was, well, you're not made an Earl, though, are you? You, you were born an Earl. Yes, you are. Hmm. So somehow that family held Isaac Newton's papers, and I'm sure since 1936, hopefully they've been looked at, scrutinized very carefully. These are just a few of the outlier papers talking about Isaac Newton. I mean, you know, when you think about Isaac Newton, what are you thinking about? The apple. The apple. Right, of course. Right? Now you can think about Isaac Newton, his dog, and um, turning things into gold. Okay, so I would love to see those papers in real life. I have this, I love to see historical you know, uh, handwriting. I like to see how, you know, papers were produced, how, you know, personal letters were, but also, you know, great documents like, you know, the Magna Carta or the Declaration of Independence or whatever it is. And, you know, word came right before, right in the four o'clock hour of our show that Governor Wolf has closed down all sorts of things, you know, like restaurants and bars and fitness clubs and casinos and museums. And it just made me think again of how much I miss being in a museum. Yeah. I mean, well, I just makes me. Uh, hey, you had an opportunity there pre, you know, pre today, right? Cause the I, yeah, but over. I, but I didn't feel right about it. Yeah. Would you? I wasn't going out. Okay. No, well, so think, you know. yeah. Were you Whatever. pointing the finger at me saying no, no a museum if you want missed an opportunity? I mean, Andy Masick from the Heinz History Center joins us. He's had an open invitation for us, right? I know, Please I know. I just, 
Look, I'm just trying to do my part, people, okay? All right. Whatever that part might be, whatever science you're ascribing to, Kathy Evans. Yeah, I know. Right. I'm just trying to read as much consensus as I can. Right. Okay, so um, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Charlie Camosi, uh, Dr. Charles Camosi, I should say. What about the medical profession and the idea of medical ethics? I mean, this is something that is part of, you know, the, the work, the laboratory right. work goes hand in hand with the ethics of what it is to be a medical doctor. We'll talk about that next. Stick around. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Cram. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He is an incomparable Savior. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Cram. PowerPoint tonight at 930 on 101.5 WORD. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. Are you interested in helping others in human service agencies or people with addiction? Or do you want to help others through private practice counseling? Waynesburg University has an accredited counseling program for you. Waynesburg offers both a Master of Arts in Counseling degree as well as a Ph.D. in Counselor Education and Supervision. As the only K-CREP accredited addictions counseling program in the state, Waynesburg can help you grow your career in the counseling profession. To learn more, visit waynesburg.edu. Applications are still being accepted for the fall semester. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South Coast, Coast Tax. Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation, and we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 836, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed, and one way we can achieve that is by being debt-free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176, and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company customizes your car insurance with RightTrack, which rewards you for safe driving. As the world's most careful driver, that's perfect. Now applying two pounds of force for acceleration. You really up, 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 turning in 0.3 miles and begin a deceleration. With Liberty Mutual's RightTrack, you could earn up to 30% savings based on how you drive. Sign up at LibertyMutual.com slash RightTrack. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Discount on participating vehicles, base coverages only. Availability varies. That it's fair to say that few of us could have imagined 
in February or March of this year, sure. where we would be in December of this year. Right. What a year it's been. And of course, as we uh, wade through this pandemic, it has raised so many questions about, not, I mean, not medical questions, but about who we are. What are the right practices to follow? Um, what about Christians involved in this? Who do you believe? All these different things are coming at us. Well, Charles Camosi is with us. Dr. Camosi is professor of Christian ethics at Fordham University in New York City, where he is interested in building conversation and solidarity between groups which sometimes find it difficult to engage. He's got a brand new workout, which is a really interesting work he's going to talk to us about, ethics and the pandemic. Dr. Camosi, Charlie, welcome back. Hey, John. Hi, Kathy. Hey, great to hear from you, Charlie. Boy, this is a, this is a serious project that you've undertaken. I know that it kind of has been living in your head for uh, the last <laughs> months, ever since ever since COVID started. And so I guess I'm happy to see it in a typewritten form. Um, but let's start at the very beginning. You, you write that many of us have a deep sense that something has gone profoundly wrong in how we've addressed the pandemic. How so? Well, I think it probably comes down to how we treated the most vulnerable during the pandemic. And that, as you mentioned in the intro, really does kind of cross our political and theological divide, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? On on the one hand, on the so-called left, we have the people of color who are so, so marginalized during the pandemic, who had death rates way higher than, than white people during the pandemic. And that's highlighted some very structurally really sinful structures, I would say, in our in our country that we need to pay attention to. At the same time, focus folks on the so-called right have paid more attention to what we've done to people in nursing homes and other term uh, other long-term care facilities, where we've basically not only allowed them to die at high way higher numbers um, than other people outside of those homes at the same age, but even also die, we learned the AP reported uh, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, that more than 30,000 of them have died of neglect, of isolation, mm-hmm. and that 30,000 more actually than, than died during the same time uh, last summer, the summer of 2019. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to do in, in these two online courses is ask these deep questions about what it is to be human, what it means to care for the most vulnerable across the divides that are unfortunately so you know, front and center in our nation right now. So, Charlie, are this are these two modules specifically from a Christian worldview, or is it wide open? Well, I'm a Christian theologian, and I teach Christian ethics, so uh, that is baked into who I am and almost everything that I do. Yes. So, um, the, it, certainly, the values of a Christian ethicist are reflected in my course, but they're really designed to be, again— a kind of across difference conversation. In fact, part of the course to make it interactive, even though it's not live, is I ask everyone who takes the course to kind of pick a partner that they kind of disagree with about things politically or theologically and, and have that person be a conversation partner from the time they take the course. And mm-hmm. so it could be somebody, I imagine most people who are attracted to this who know me or are concerned about these issues might be Christian. They might have Christian theological theological points of view, but they might also pick a conversation partner that doesn't have those points of view, that has a very different point of view. And at bottom, that's what I really want to try to facilitate with the course, too. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's one thing we've always appreciated about you, Charlie, is that you're willing to have hard conversations about really complicated issues. And COVID-19 is for sure one of those complicated issues. Now, for people just joining us, this is a course that Dr. Kamosi has put together. Um, it has several modules and it is eligible for uh, continuing, educa- continuing medical education credits if you're a physician or healthcare professional. Um, Charlie, but it's also not, the modules aren't tailored for someone who's a physician. So, you know, John or I could take the module, could log on, and then it could, it's going to be in our language too? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I teach um, bioethics to, to just kind of random undergraduates. So random educated people who just find this stuff interesting. And actually part of what, what kind of spontaneously led to me putting this course together is the good folks at Felician University asked me this summer, they saw what I was writing about this summer. And they said, you know, we're putting together these micro courses, you know, for just kind of random people. And, and lots and lots of people appear to be really interested in this stuff. We're constantly talking about it. Our cable news um, ratings are absolutely through the roof because so many people are consuming this information during the pandemic and are arguing with each other, talking to each other about it. And so, yeah, so when, when I have, say, a, a, a module on should we become utilitarians during the pandemic, that's not for doctors. It's not for PhDs. It's for random people that want to think about that question. Should mm-hmm. we be, and we're thinking about it right now, like in terms of how we're going to say, um, decide who gets the vaccine first. Are, are we are we going to decide who gets the vaccine first based on a kind of utilitarian, maximize the greatest good for the greatest number calculation? Or as I would argue, if we take a more gospel-centered approach, um, are we going to hit those who give it um, to those who are most vulnerable first, those who are the least among us first, those who bear the face of Christ in a special way first as being the least among us. Those are, those are two very different points of view, but I have to say most of the medical community that I've seen in public anyway leans more towards the utilitarian point of view. And so I felt the need to kind of, in, the, in the, this course especially, balance it out with, with the different kind of value set. I see. So Charlie, then, just go to, to square one with us. I mean, uh, talk about what ethics are. Well, it's a big question, and that might be a good place to start in a course titled Ethics in the Pandemic. But ethics at bottom, I think, are values that you hold dear in the deepest part of who you are, the most fundamental uh part of who you are. So uh, some people who are in medical ethics or do bioethics often tend to think of everything like a math problem or a science science proof or something like that. And that's not experiment. That's not how ethics works. Ethics is much more about those fundamental values that when the chips are down, the stuff that you're, what I often ask my freshmen, what are the, what are the things you're willing to die for? You know, think about those things. Those are those fundamental values that just animate us who we are as human beings. And then once we can get those fundamental values, then we can extrapolate out from those. Okay, given that foundation, given those what some people call first principles, how do we apply those first principles in the particular situation in which we find ourselves? So often the discussion I've seen around the pandemic anyway has just kind of seen us shooting from the hip about, you know, how we should allocate ventilators or who gets the vaccine first or how should we protect nursing homes or why are we letting people die alone without really getting to those fundamental values. And, and that's where I was trying to focus earlier on greatest good versus uh, for the greatest number versus preferring the most vulnerable. We have to get down to that fundamental value first 
And only then can we really have a coherent um, debate. I, I like to tell my students it actually takes a lot of work to have a, a genuine debate rather than people just kind of shouting at each other. Right. And that's where the, the pandemic hit us, you know, in a hard way, emotionally, spiritually, Charlie, because those um, those ethical ideas are not ideas that had been decided on by American culture. Um, and so when the, you know, as you said, when the chips are down, all of a sudden, you don't have time to be debating your ethics when there's an emergency, right? You need to have your ethics in place so that you can make decisions that are consistent with them. Ideally, <laughs> uh, that, that would be great. Um, and it, unfortunately, I would argue a lot of the institutions that that had to spring into action all of a sudden, like you said, just kind of thinking back to uh, February and March, it was just so chaotic and we, it's hard yeah. to even remember what it was like. But but states, some states did have um, plans in place for how to allocate scarce medical resources, for instance. And they were bad plans, <laughs> or at least from my perspective, they were bad plans. Most of them, again, were focused on a kind of utilitarianism, sometimes a eugenic utilitarianism. There were there were some state plans that said people with dementia or had other kind of mental illness don't get priority over those who do. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute, who put this together on what basis? And have we actually talked about this? And who gets on the committees that, that put such plans together? And so over the months of the pandemic, happily, we did start talking about it a little bit, the mm-hmm. Office of... Um, Health and Human Services, the Office of Civil Rights there actually smacked down some of those plans and said, I'm sorry, civil rights still exist during a pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. But your basic point is correct. We, 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 we didn't then, and we really still haven't now come to any kind of consensus about these. Right. Right. And that, and that's what you're trying to encourage, right? You're trying to get a conversation going. Let me just break in and say we're talking to Dr. Charles Camosi, professor of Christian ethics at Fordham University in New York City, interested in building conversation and solidarity, of course, always between groups which sometimes find it difficult to engage. Um, we're talking about his newest project, which we'll give all the details of before the end of this segment. So, Charlie, what about the idea of in medical school, of course, the, you know, the the nuts and bolts of anatomy and, you know, just all the different things that make a doctor a doctor. And then alongside that, I never even considered this. Is it true that, you know, you're teaching ethics in, in that same vein that the two are holding hands, so to speak? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the way I teach it. And I, I, I don't teach in a medical school, but I teach a lot of students who are what we call at Fordham pre-health who are on their way to medical school. And I, and I tell them, unfortunately, you're going to get, most of you are going to be in a program that doesn't even talk about those fundamental values, those that you're willing to die for, right? Those what some call fundamental first principles or ultimate concerns. We, they just kind of jump into the medicine, right? And there's what what happens is, at least from my perspective, a kind of reflex of utilitarianism is just kind of baked into the cake, you know. Like, well, of course we would give, you know, we wouldn't give priority to to certain kind of populations. In fact, one very disturbing case, and if you pay attention to anything I write about on social media, you saw I was all yeah. over this. Yes, the case mm-hmm. of Michael Hickson in um, in Texas, uh, Austin, Texas. There was an African American man who was uh, quite disabled and he got COVID and um, he was in a situation where his wife was um, actually recording the doctor legally, but unbeknownst to the doctor at the time when they were having the conversation. And the things this doctor said to this poor woman were just awful. It was basically what he said was, 
you know, I, yes, I've had a small number of people like your husband survive, but they were walking and talking people. And as a result, we're not going to be aggressive in our treatment of your husband. It was wow. a longer conversation wow. with that, but that was the nutshell. I mean, look it up, Michael Hickson. Right. And wow. and this this was this is I have to say I was not given what I know about how this tends to work I was not surprised I talked to fellow clinicians doctors who said actually you know that sounds bad but I'm actually not surprised because that's kind of again that kind of utilitarian even eugenic approach is baked into the cake with so much which is why we need especially Christians need to step up and say actually <laughs> there are some values here we need to stand up for and they're mm-hmm. not eugenic utilitarian values. Mm-hmm. So in in all things, then there is this pro-life perspective, which you're saying more often than not is, you know, even though the doctor's pledge to preserve life is missing many times. Oh, yeah. I mean, not only missing, there's kind of hostility in some ways toward it. My my next book project is arguing that since since medicine has become secularized over the last four decades or so, we really have lost this that pro-life sense of what makes all lives equal. What is that? Mm-hmm. We talk today about fundamental equality all the time, but we rarely, I, I, I find it, we rarely stop and say, well, what is it again that makes all lives equal? Like, what is it that makes us fundamentally equal? And, you know, again, the, the, in our very natures of who we are, why is Michael Hickson, who couldn't talk or walk, the equal of you or me or anybody listening to this program right now? It's that we're all made in the image and likeness of God, but we've lost that, that especially medicine has lost that. And of course, the, I mean, from my perspective anyway, it's kind of a default that we go to eugenic utilitarian attitude. Right. But my, so then, my Charlie, next book project is going to call this out. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, does this surprise you then? I mean, you know, a man has been man for, uh, you know, many a year. We know our inhumanity towards each other. Uh, maybe in some ways we're sort of exclamation pointed right now during the pandemic. No, this is actually one of the good things, silver linings, if you will, of the pandemic. I think it's it's kind of woken us up. I hope it's woken mm-hmm. us up to take a look at this and say, well, well, why did states have these protocols in place? Why would a doctor react this way? Why are people in nursing homes being abandoned? What is the what is the ethos? What is the what are the values in play that lead these decisions to be made? And if if there is a silver lining to the pandemic, and maybe there are a handful. I think one of those is people have said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, whatever is going on here, we need a totally different way to think about it. And I think pro-lifers especially need to step up and say, what is going on with our elderly and disabled? I, I think that's actually the set of issues. We, we ought not to back up one step from abortion, but but that, that particular set of issues I think is really, really calling out for us to, to speak to. We're talking about a new course called Ethics and the Pandemic. We're talking to Dr. Charles Camosi, who created it. All right, Charlie. So, um, and for people who are just joining us, this is um, a potential for you if you're a healthcare professional. It counts towards CME credits for you. Um, talk about how people can access this, Charlie, how many hours um, this would take you through, and any other things that are important to know. Well, one easy way to get it, I made it the pinned tweet at my Twitter account. So if you just go to at CKamosi, there's a link there to go to it. It's put on by Felician University, F-E-L-I-C-I-A-N. They can Google that and find it as well, ethics in the pandemic. And what the way we really designed it was, again, for if you're a, if you're a nurse, if you're a doctor, other healthcare provider, you get CME credit. But if, you, if you're listening to this conversation and you're finding it interesting and you want to maybe share this conversation with somebody else in your life, and this is a course you could take. It's 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 two hours long. Each course, well, there's two courses, and they're each only two hours long. Literally only two hours is what they call it, micro learning. 
and they do it at their own pace. So you can start and do 20 minutes, you can do 40 minutes and then be done. And, or you could do five minutes and, you know, just finish it the next time you go. But basically the way I've designed it is for people who are busy, who don't have time to do like the intensive online three credit courses where you sit through endless lectures and, you know, write a paper. That's not what this is. It's, it's for people who are busy, but also want maybe more than just like watching Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity at night, but, but want to dive into these things in a more serious way and also share it with somebody else. And if you happen to work in healthcare, you know, someone who does, then there are, there are CME credits available too. That's Dr. Charles Camosi, professor of Christian ethics at Fordham University in New York City. The new course is called Ethics and the Pandemic. We will put all the appropriate links at our social media feeds. You can find Charlie on Twitter at C Camosi, C-A-M-O-S-Y on Twitter. Charlie, thank you so much for this excellent work. My pleasure. Thanks for talking with me. Of all the women in the world, you chose her. She is the one you can't live without. How will you tell her, I love you forever? You tell her with a diamond from Trinity Jewelers. And of all the diamonds in the world, none say forever like the center of my universe from Forevermark. Less than 1% of the world's diamonds can carry the Forevermark inscription, a promise that each diamond is beautiful, rare, and responsibly sourced. A diamond worthy of a woman as rare as she is and a love as unique as yours. The center of my universe can only be found at an authorized Forevermark jeweler. Trinity Jewelers, Mount Nebo Road. Discover Forevermark, the diamond, the promise, at Trinity Jewelers. For when you really want to say, I love you forever. Visit trinityjewelers.com. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. I'm Dr. Baker, an ER physician. If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism, which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do, to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. To stay ahead of hackers, make sure you are using the latest security settings for your electronic devices. Although manufacturers are continually updating their operating systems and applications and will quickly patch any vulnerabilities they discover, it's up to you to check for the latest updates or enable the automatic update settings on your electronic devices and applications. It's your first line of defense against hacking. A public service message from the Consumer Electronics Association. We are everywhere. 
everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app by heart, tune in, and at radio.com. Mainly clear skies expected for tonight with a low of 33. Tomorrow, sunshine will give way to increasing cloudiness. It'll be milder with a high of 57. Cloudy skies tomorrow night with a low of 42. Saturday will be cloudy and mild with a little rain in the afternoon. We'll reach a high Saturday of 56. Saturday night, spotty evening showers, otherwise low clouds, low 43. With the Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. make sense does what make sense all the ports on the side of your laptop okay now listen i've got two extremes in my life right now i've got a mac where's the music i'm looking for i like that thank you mike my mac laptop has nothing okay it's like so super sleek that there's no place to plug anything in okay then I've got my PC. Listen, I, I don't know what these shapes are on the side of my computer. Okay, I was looking at them today. I'm looking right now. I don't know what they are. Okay, does all the, do either one of these make sense, John? I think you need them. Yeah, I, I bought a port extender. I've got so many things plugged into my laptop. A port extender. Yeah, you know, I've got like you plug it into one port, and is it that like advertised me- on late night TV for sixty <laughs> seconds, like all the pharmaceuticals? No, no, it adds six additional ports, so I can get you know my microphone, my light, an additional keyboard, all these different things. Okay, but let me ask you this: Why uh, should you have to have that? When why do you why do I have all these things on this computer in front of me that are shaped that I'm never going to use those because they're the wrong shape? Why? Can't well. I think USBs and just leave it. I think it's different people, different professions using the computer for different things. Yeah, okay. So I say yes. All these ports that are there, they make perfect sense. What doesn't make sense is Apple. Where there are no ports. No, they're just trying to be super sleek and design worthy. I don't like either one. I don't like either extreme, and I say neither one of them makes sense. All right. Does this make sense? The phenomenon of the weighted blanket oh that's a big deal now oh everywhere you go they got weighted blanket this weighted blanket that now i don't own a weighted blanket however i do own a very nice down comforter that i've had for decades Mm -hmm. that i cover over with what a a duvet Mm -hmm, right and that thing's heavy and it weighs on you now a weighted blanket i did not know this they're filled with like you know little particles of you know, resin and whatnot. Okay. You know, that are round, that sort of hug you, that encompass your body as though you yourself are being hugged throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Me, that kind of creeps me out. I don't need to be hugged throughout the night by anyone other than my wife. Right. No resin. No. So does the weighted blanket make sense? For some people, I guess it does. For me, it doesn't make sense. I love the idea. I love everything about it. Do you know that at night I sleep with pillows on top of my feet? What? Oh, I hate yeah. that. So I have much. pillows that I that are specifically heavy pillows that I put there and I put my feet under that. Oh, that's not good. My toes have to be free to like wiggle and you know, just freedom. All that. Com- 
I don't want to know about your toes, but I'm in favor of the plan. <laughs> you ask. I told you. Does this make sense? WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. What's the blueprint for happiness? The Beatitudes and what they are is really a blueprint for happiness, foundation stones for building your home, really what they are. They are the keys to the kingdom. Join us for more of Adrian Rogers' series, The Keys to the Kingdom, this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Hi, this is Marcia from the Springhouse, and we really do wish you a Merry Christmas. And to keep your Christmas season merry, I suggest you give the Springhouse a call to take care of all your homemade goodies. We do beautiful Christmas cookie trays featuring family recipe orange drop cookies, lady locks, cherry cheesecake cups, pecan tassies, and lots more. Our fresh fruit trays and smoked salmon trays kick off a celebration beautifully. Our Heath Bar Cheesecake or Filled Chocolate Log finish it off nicely. And for the in-between, how about our own hickory smoked hams or fresh turkeys or capons? Mmm, good old-fashioned eating. Are you hungry yet? Give us a call, 724-228-3339 at the Springhouse in 84 PA. Or check us out on the web at www.springhousemarket.com. And then give us a call and place your order today. Merry Christmas from all of us to all of you. I consider not only my team members, but my patients, my family, and I miss them for quite a few months. Stock Family Dentistry would like to say, welcome back. One of the biggest blessings I have received is to be able to use my talents and my passion to serve my community through our dental office. And I'm proud to say that we're doing it in a very safe way. We're finally back up to full speed. It's nice to be back with family. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. The culture we live in is changing so fast, it's hard to, to keep up what, what is going on. I mean, I just, well, Dr. Carl Truman is with us, and uh, he's got many excellent works that we're going to talk about here today. And uh, 
his newest work is called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution. And uh, Carl, welcome. Uh, as we get underway, uh, let's talk about this recent announcement by the actress Ellen Page. And of course, now by me saying that out loud, I'm crossing a border and appearing to be hateful because I'm dead naming something. So I don't even know where to begin this conversation. Come on. Hey, Carl, are you there? Hello. Yes. Oh, good. Okay, so by saying the actress's name, Ellen Page, who recently transitioned from a woman to a trans man and is now known as Elliot Page, by saying Ellen Page's name, I'm doing something called dead naming. And, of course, culturally, for a lot of people, that is verboten. Yes? Yes. In fact, I've got a great quotation here from... Uh, trans activist Oliver Ash Klein, who says, we choose names that are correct for us. And often our legal name, dead name, former name isn't appropriate for trans people. It takes away our autonomy. It takes away our right to self-determination and often undermines our gender and identity. It's really unaffirming and it can be quite distressing. Right. Okay, so, uh, Carl, if we were having this conversation on NPR, we would be considered a very hateful people because we are not recognizing what's happening in America with the rise of the trans community. And I think probably therein, as committed Christians, is a big problem, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, the, the trans notion of selfhood is predicated on my ability to determine who I am. And, of course, as Christians... We believe our identity is given to us. It's given to us in that we're made in the image of God. It's given to us in that our parents give us names. We, we fit into an established framework, and that's what gives us our identity. So as, as Christians, yes, we are very, running very countercultural at this particular point in time. Carl, in your new book called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, and one of the things I highlighted the first time I sat down to read it is you write this, given the contentious nature of such subjects like the one we're talking about today, and often the deeply personal convictions that they involve, there's a tendency to do one of two things. First, one can so emphasize a universal metaphysical principle to which one is committed that you fail to understand the particulars of what you're analyzing. And second, one can become so preoccupied with the particulars that you fail to see the significance of the more general context. So help us to take, I think that's, that's a good um, observation that you've made. How does that fit into the story of Elliot Page? Well, um, Elliot Page is really a function of a, of a much broader phenomenon within society. And that is this idea that ultimately uh, we are truly who we are when we're able to express outwardly that which we feel inwardly. And that's something that has been developing uh, in Western culture now for several hundred years. So Page is not a, a, a unique individual. Uh, you don't have to be trans to be committed to that kind of idea. She's really a, an extreme example of a, of a function of the modern notion of what it means to be an authentic or a true person. Right. Okay, so... The other day, Carl, I had to go on and uh, fill out some forms online for um, a, the, a medical procedure. And, you know, at the very top of the page, they wanted to know male or female, and then in parentheses, sex assigned at birth. I mean, yes. so this is, this is mainstream. This is the world that we live in. Yeah, and there you have a great example of the incoherence of it all, because you can pretend to be a woman if you're a man, 
But gosh, when you go into hospital, they need to know your chromosomal makeup and your physiology in order to appropriately treat you for certain illnesses. Uh, my wife had a routine procedure recently and had to take a pregnancy test beforehand. Uh, a man identifying as a woman would not need to take a test like that. It would not be an issue. And that's where the sort of the play acting becomes really rather ridiculous and incoherent. Mm-hmm. Carl, I've just uh, finished watching The Umbrella Academy not too long ago, and um, Ellen, or Elliot Page, is a fine actor, actress, Um, and uh, it's a wacko show, if you haven't seen it, Um, but she she's the she i would say is the one of the foundational characters of the show so this is someone with a pretty high profile um i never saw juno but certainly the umbrella academy's gotten a lot of views especially for people that are i would say under the age of 30 um so what does a story like this mean to the general culture i think these things carry tremendous power we saw this with uh bruce now caitlin jenner uh, I, I think when you have a, a high profile, we call, you know, what we call a role model coming out like this and, and essentially saying this is the way to go, this is a legitimate move to make, then those who admire these characters, those who, who wish to be like them because they're rich and famous and good-looking, etc., etc., has a profound influence uh, on them. And I think for the many young people who are confused on these issues, the, the, the aesthetic pull of these persuasive narratives as articulated by famous and attractive people is very, very powerful indeed. Yes. Okay, so this, I would call it in many ways, Carl, propaganda, that, you know, something has shifted in the culture, and if whether you're a believer or not, and you disagree with this shift, by bringing up your disagreement, then you are immediately called a hater, someone is, who's out of the mainstream, and you are the problem to something that, you know, since man and woman have first started to walk on the earth, you're the problem to something that, you know, shouldn't be a problem at all to a, the sensible crowd here. Very much, very much the case. And when you look at uh, Paige's initial statement, she made that basically true comment that 40% of trans adults uh, report attempting suicide. Of course, she blames that on the hate of people like you and me. I would say a question that needs to be asked is whether uh, the trans situation actually reflects deeper emotional and psychological mm-hmm. problems in that community that would lead to that kind of statistic. Nothing to do with hate at all. But you can't raise that question without being accused of being a bigot straight off. Yeah. Uh, Carl, and this is where I think that the principle that I read from your book comes in handy, because you can talk about, you know, large sweeping perspectives on an issue like this. It's different if you know somebody. I have transgenderism in my own family, and um, it's something that is incredibly painful and difficult to deal with. And I have a lot of compassion for anyone who's trying to work out issues like this. So talk about, I mean, the image of of Christians in the general culture is that, you know, there were haters, like John said, we're bigots. Um, you know, we don't want uh, to see anyone live outside the tiny parameters of which we decided is right and wrong. And of course, that's not how I think. I don't think that's how any of us think. Um, so what would, how do we express ourselves well about this while at the same time remembering that, you know, this is an issue that requires a lot of compassion? Yeah, it's very difficult, and I think that the start of that is to make a basic distinction between what I would call the, the political cause, or as John referred to, the propaganda of the LGBTQ plus movement, 
and the individuals who are caught up in it and, and for whom this is their particular painful struggle. I think making that distinction is very, very important because if you don't make that distinction, you'll either be carried away by sentimentality on the political front or you'll forget that there are real human beings being hurt by this. So I think that distinction is important. And then you need to, as you, you referred in your own family there, to, to address the individuals concerned with, with firmness, but tremendous compassion as well. Right. So made in the image of God, as we all are, Carl. But at the same time, you know, this conversation will find its way to, you know, to the dustbin of history, they say, because, you know, as quickly as it's become so mainstream in just a matter of a year or two, you can only imagine what's ahead of us in the next decade or more. Yes. I mean, I, I do think there's ground for hope, and that is you can only fight nature for so long, and, and transgenderism really is a direct, full frontal assault on nature. Uh, the tragedy is that when nature wins, it tends to be done at, the, at huge human cost. Yes. If we're determined to fight nature, it will be a brutal, brutal loss that human beings ultimately take. But I think in the long run, transgenderism will, will pass into the dustbin of history. Mm-hmm. Well, Carl, thank you so much for your good work. I'm going to show the book here. Uh, Can you see that? There we go. Yep, there it is. The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Dr. Carl Truman from Grove City College. Carl, it's always a pleasure. Thanks again. Thanks for having me on. chose her. She is the one you can't live without. How will you tell her, I love you forever? You tell her with a diamond. From Trinity Jewelers. And of all the diamonds in the world, none say forever, like the center of my universe from Forevermark. Less than 1% of the world's diamonds can carry the Forevermark inscription, a promise that each diamond is beautiful, rare, and responsibly sourced. A diamond worthy of a woman as rare as she is, and a love as unique as yours. The center of my universe can only be found at an authorized Forevermark jeweler. Trinity Jewelers, Mount Nebo Road. Discover Forevermark, the diamond, the promise, at Trinity Jewelers. For when you really want to say, I love you forever. Visit trinityjewelers.com. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Why a classical Christian education? Because kids learn differently at different ages. Through grammar, we grasp the building blocks of knowledge. Logic teaches how those building blocks relate. Then rhetoric helps us communicate what we know. 
For over 50 years, Trinity Christian School has intentionally applied this classical approach to education with great success. It's just one reason why they're consistently ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County. Trinity Christian School at trinitychristian.net. With thousands of locally owned Napa stores across the nation, chances are that wherever you call home, they do too. So whether you stop by a local Napa Auto Parts store, Napa Auto Care Center, or visit Napa online, you can count on Napa know-how. School bus drivers, custodians, nurses, paraeducators, just a few of the education support professionals who help schools in Pennsylvania run smoothly every day. This is Rich Askey, treasurer of the Pennsylvania State Education Association. They ensure that our students have a safe ride to school, healthy meals, and a clean environment to learn. So take a moment to say thank you to the ESPs in your school. A message from the Pennsylvania State Education Association. Well, a Pittsburgher uh, one day could be headed to the moon. Warren Hoburg. That's good. He's a Pittsburgh. His Warren Hoburg, one of 18 astronauts named today that will train as part of NASA's Artemis moon landing program. Hmm. Berg is a graduate of North Allegheny High School. He earned degrees from MIT and UC Berkeley. He was selected by NASA to join the 2017 Astronaut Canada class. And after his selection became eligible, he is beginning to train starting today. Herberg has experienced as a commercial pilot. Now, along with Hoberg, the new group of astronauts includes nine women, and one of these women will become the first woman to walk on the moon. Wow. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to go to the moon sustainably, said Jim Burdenstein, NASA administrator, to live and work on another world so ultimately we can take all of that knowledge on to Mars. All right. Okay. I mean... God bless him. That'd be the last thing I'd want to do is go to Mars. Are you kidding me? You know? All right. Speaking of science, here's a weird one for you, Kath. I'm ready. Humanity has reached a new milestone in its dominance of the planet because human-made objects now outweigh all of the living beings on Earth. Wait a minute. So there's there's more stuff than us? Roads, houses... Shopping malls, fishing vessels, printer paper, coffee mugs, smartphones, all the other infrastructure of daily life now weigh in at approximately 1.1 trillion metric tons, equal to the combined dry weight of all plants, animals, fungi, (laughs) bacteria, and protozoa on the planet. Okay, now how does that is, that doesn't even make any sense that someone could calculate that. That's a big scale. Come on. Uh, look. Come we were on. Talking about Isaac Newton back in the 1600s. Yes, I know. And I thought, look, and I he thought was, he was trying to calculate what the circumference of the earth. Right. By using the, the, the measurements of bricks from the Great Pyramid. Okay. Well, that at least I can understand the extrapolation of that. I cannot possibly understand the extrapolation of weight. I don't know. I mean, I. How can you guess something or quantify something like that? It would have to be just a ballpark guess, right? What I mean, what do we all weigh? All the billions of right. people and plants and animals on the earth, as opposed to what all the malls weigh, right? <laughs> all the cell phones weigh. I don't know. All I know is it's more than when COVID started. That's the I one thing so. I know for sure. Listen, yeah. I said this yesterday. I'm five pounds up. 
Are you five pounds up? I'm five. I'm glad you said that because I'm five pounds up. Yeah, five pounds up from when COVID started. Mike, are you up? I believe I'm five pounds as well. Yeah, nice. Could be eight, maybe. Uh Eight. Eight. Yes. Have another Coke. Have another. (laughs) Just because it'll make John feel better. So a minimum of 15 pounds between us, just adding to the weight of the earth. We Uh got to stay ahead. We can't be beaten by malls and cell phones. No, we can't be. We can't be. Listen, okay. So what has contributed most to your weight gain? What is your, what's what's your theory on this? I'm sitting here every day. Right. And I'm not leaving the house that often. Oh, and I, and I guess I might have to add, Peanut M&M's. Oh, that's a problem. Mike, what's contributing to yours? Um, just sitting around the house, just like John. Uh, I'm sitting around the studio and yeah. uh, a lot of Reese Cups and Taco Bell. <laughs> number See, three, you guys stick. Number you guys three stick. on the menu. Yeah. yeah. Listen, because I'm not Taco having Bell those. And Reese's <laughs> you know what the sad thing is? And I'll, I'll be honest about this because I want to you know, you know, tell you who I am. Yeah. I've gained five pounds since Thanksgiving. What? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. That's like. Well, many- no, no, no. I would say four pounds since Thanksgiving. It was That's like, like three weeks. That. I know. What are you eating? Like what a turkey it? and then some? Well, I don't know. Maybe that homemade gravy. You know what it is? Chipotle smashed you know, sweet potato stayed with me. Might be muscle mass, right? You're doing those push-ups. Oh, yeah. I wish. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.